0: Episode 66, the Vatros cast in the bag. Where do you come from? Well, I am originally from Virginia, but I live in London. (laughs) <laughs> right, I have no idea what's funny about that, but, uh, yeah, Brian, I know Java's your dad and he's pretty crazy, but what's your mom like? My mother was kind of charming,
1: and at the same time, she could be very, um, judgmental. Oh
0: God, what am I doing here? I thought I got out of the starlight pit. mean, I know I'm dreaming, but why am I dreaming about this? And why am I asking De Palma about his mother? Oh, my God. God, my he's still going. Myself uh, maybe if I just close my eyes. I'll I I wake up, I'll just be podcasting. My mother's infatuation mm. with my older brother. I didn't tell you yeah i'm like on a desk i got a desk I've got room to put this microphone here so i'm not really fucking annoyed anymore yeah all i need is a good chair yeah last <laughs> yeah. week
1: you were like fighting with the fucking yeah, yeah, microphone the whole time
0: yeah so uh yeah all i need is yep. a good a good new chair and then i'll be set maybe some funky lighting i'll be gaming like a fucking dweeb
1: <laughs> Multiple <laughs> screens for you and having just me all over them while, while we record.
0: You just laughing. Ah 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 ah
1: ah 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 ah. And I'm known to do.
0: You know, the world only really needs you know screens upon screens upon screens upon screens upon screens of Phil's face and you just laughing. You know, <laughs> and laughing because you made me do today's episode. Ah 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 ah. Ladies and gentlemen, before I get into my usual preamble, you know, the spill, the whole intro, the whole welcome to the Charles Cinecast thing, you know, before we get into that, last week we ended the show on a bit of a, like, a weird um, down air. It was uh, a shock to me. Uh, We're in the middle of recording, and then I forgot about it, actually, because you know after we record i'll I'll usually take some time and then i was reminded when i was editing and i was like fuck phil quit at the end of last week's episode i straight up left and i was editing i i got all the way to the end of the episode and then i was like oh shit yeah damn phil like i thought he was joking you know because it's the line in the film and um but then i remember that he hung up immediately after i thought he just had to piss or something and uh (laughs) and then like you know i was putting two and two together and then went and talked to him on facebook messenger you know and because uh, i'm professional that way and uh he was just like yeah quit and phil what what was your like reasoning by quitting and how did i convince you to come back well <laughs> jesus
1: uh well i forgot about that too and now you know follow up on that joke <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, it was more just a statement, you know, it was like, I always wanted to quit a job like that. And it was like, I felt like, you know, I want, you know, my gifts were not being appreciated enough, <laughs> but we went away, you know, you did forget it was weird. I thought it was like a power move. You kind of let it hang in the air. I didn't hear from you for several days. <laughs> And then, you know, you came at me with a new contract, some new things I had asked for.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and you'll we'll see that played out um throughout this episode. Just, you know, a lot of filling my ego wherever and whenever it's necessary. Yeah, so I'm this is more it's more like a test, you know, this episode. I'm coming back and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I may quit again.
0: Yeah, I mean <laughs> You said that this is uh, you're happy with the the demands were being met. You know, like for instance, doing this episode in general. Uh, there's some other things on the horizon that uh, you know. You sent that, me
1: um, some. Yeah,
0: I, I had to send PCC
1: swag.
0: I had to send Phil some <laughs> PCC swag. He's currently <laughs> to, you know, wrapping me up. the the hat and the uh, the mug. You know, mug um, with the cold coffee. So. Yeah, I mean, if you want some of that, you have to go to pccwebstore.com. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you aren't employed by this podcast, uh, so <laughs> I don't have to butter but, you uh, up. Yeah. <laughs> the,
1: the main demand with this movie on this day.
0: Yeah. And in
1: this point of time, at this point of the year.
0: Also, something else at the end of the episode, we'll have to announce and, um, mm-hmm. you know, about next week's episode, and which was also part of this. And, uh then also there was you know there's another little secret thing that phil and i are working on that phil's forced me into um you know <laughs> so re- there's a lot going on ladies and gentlemen mm. i'm so, shaking things up, wild card. <laughs> yeah shaking things up. we'll see how this goes but uh okay let's just get into it. welcome to the bot charles <laughs> presented by the prince charles cinema this is your host jonathan foster uh i don't know how much of everything that's going on is true, or if it's not true, but hey, that's the theme of this episode. What is real, man? And the only person that can uh, help us out with this is our little dreamer boy, A little dreamer boy, is, uh Phil. How's it going, Phil?
1: You, you could have called me like the dream child, <laughs> the dream, dream boy, child. Yeah. dream warrior. Dream
0: warrior. There could have been a lot yeah. of
1: Nightmare on Elm cheat references, yeah. I think.
0: Oh, um, you want to hear a Nightmare on Elm Street reference? That shit's on sale right now at the Prince Charles Cinema dot com. Do, go get your do, tickets. There we go.
1: What's <laughs> 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 up? Uh, well, no, I'm all right. Um, I'm hanging in. I'm hanging. I'm just hanging. You know, hanging in. I'm, I'm you know thinking about stuff. Hell yeah. Yeah, you know, just the usual. The usual. Being just being myself, you know. questioning questioning where you know whether any of this is reality anymore
0: yeah i don't even know
1: (laughs) not not healthy (laughs) but you know fun
0: yeah oh man well like i said we're we're having a chill chill episode this week just chatting about i mean it's something that's the phil wanted to do so we're doing it but we're just chatting about (laughs) cinema in general uh and something that is linked To a big, big film because the cinema industry is finally opening up a little bit more, not Mm -hmm. totally, but a little bit more, with an aforementioned big, big film coming to cinemas this week. But first, let's talk about what's going on at the place where we work, the Prince Charles Cinema. So yeah, last week we mentioned uh, we were plucking away at getting a lot of things on sale. And uh, as we record it, basically last week I was putting on a good chunk of the program uh, up until the last week of November. So that's all available now as we are recording it this time. uh, We've got things like Mad Max Fury Road coming back in both color and black and white versions. Black and chrome, you know how it goes. Uh, We've got the Lord of the Rings Extended Edition Showing separately over three weeks in a rare weekend matinee performances. Those are often requested. Why don't you do them during the day? Uh, Because a lot more people come during the night. And then you're like, okay, well, why are you doing it as single performances and not as marathons? Because the marathons normally do better at night, but we can't really do marathons right now just due to health and safety concerns. And also, it's not economically viable right now to do marathons uh what else do we got going on we got reservoir dogs and goodfellas screening back-to-back on the same night shit uh two separate tickets for that but you can make your own double feature if you want uh we got the blade runner double feature coming back we got a week of jurassic park screenings we got the big lebowski you name it we have it maybe (laughs) <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of PCC favorites uh, that are on sale right now. We also have our kick-ass uh, Horror October season on sale right now. The likes of The Lost Boys, The Exorcist, Psycho, American Psycho, uh, and The Shining all screening alongside some other spooky, ooky gems. Uh, plus, after we finish recording this, I'll probably be popping on pretty much the entire Christmas program. <laughs> so
1: Get it all out there. By
0: the time this episode goes on sale, Pretty much everything will be available up until almost the end of the year for you to peruse and book tickets for, uh, you know, because now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. All right. That was a spill and a half. So let's get to this week's episode. So, Phil, the long awaited release of Christopher Nolan's Tenet is finally here. It's finally here. It's pretty much coming out today, yeah. the day that we're recording, uh, and it'll have its opening weekend just before this episode goes out. We're recording a bit early, it goes okay. out on the Monday, so maybe people would have been seeing it. I don't know, but we thought we'd talk a little bit about that and discuss the film. Another movie. <laughs> you know, the film that's drawn similar comparisons to Tenet from Christopher Nolan. Uh, his film that's also celebrating its 10th anniversary this year.
1: We're so, doing that two in one. Two in one. Two birds. One Holy stone. shit.
0: But Phil, before that, Tenant, what's going on? How you feeling about it? Are you psyched? Are you going to see it in cinemas? Or are you going to wait?
1: I don't know, man. Um, Did you see Um, Tom Cruise showed up at like an IMAX yeah. <laughs> to go see it?
0: He looked like he was kidnapped and forced to go.
1: Yeah, by like Mark <laughs> or something. Um, and that was, I don't know. There's something kind of sweet about that, but um, yeah, I don't know.
0: How did he get out of America?
1: <laughs> I'm assuming he's here filming something.
0: Okay. I mean, was he just here the entire pandemic? Because I'm just like, yeah. How like, is anyone from America getting out of that country and coming into any other countries without? Doesn't that reframe your
1: whole lockdown experience, knowing that Tom Cruise had been here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like jumping on a couch somewhere?
0: Yeah, man. <laughs> I figured he was just going to jump on the on the cinema seats. You know? It's, yeah.
1: Tannit, it's finally here! <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great! Jack. Yeah, do it! Do it! <laughs> um, just do it. <laughs> I don't care, just do it. I
0: don't care. I'll do it. I
1: don't know. Uh, I didn't really have any feeling towards the movie. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll watch that. Nolan kind of whatever he's kind of hit and miss. Uh, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people don't like it. But I tend to enjoy his movie, and this one looked intriguing enough, but it does kind of look like Inception again, but yeah. it's got like, you know, a great cast and it looks cool. And like, oh check it out. And then pandemic hit, cinema closed and all these big releases have been delayed and their future look kind of cloudy. And, I don't know, he just kept pushing for this <laughs> yeah. movie. It's like now is not the time to stand on your pedestal and be like, you know, cinemas are important and big screen experience is what matters. It's like not, you know, but it's not a detriment of people. Yeah. Um, and But cinemas are opening now, so sure, yeah, release it. The, if people can go see it in cinemas, they, you know, they're more than uh, free to. I don't know. I might. I've been to the cinema now. I've done it oh, What'd you see? I went to see an American pickle. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: and I'm so happy that was like my foray back into the wild. Um, it's actually pretty good, but like that felt okay. I was anxious, but there weren't that many people there. And it's kind of, you know, it would be a, It's a similar setup that we're planning to do later with there's such gap between showing. You, know, you never get huge clusters of people coming mm-hmm. into each other. So, yeah, that and, you know, I didn't mind wearing a mask during it. Yeah, I don't know. There's just a lot of shit surrounding it now. I don't I don't particularly, I'm not going to run out to go see it. But yeah, I don't know. And the reviews have just come out and they seem kind of whatever.
0: Yeah, it's um, a bit weird. Like, I, I feel sort of similar, I guess, like uh, when it when it was first announced, like I saw it was just like, yeah, it was like Inception. Yeah. And then uh, you know, yeah, I mean cool, cool cast. And I was like as we've been going along, you know, uh the during this lockdown, it's like almost like, you know, being in the cinema industry that Inception's been that like I don't know. It's like the the main pawn in in all of the crazy chessboard that is the film industry right now, yeah. you know, like, yeah, definitely. you know, it's between Nolan being, you know, a bit steadfast and determined to get it like out. Um, and then the studios, I don't know how much of it is the studios versus Nolan himself. And then Nolan's just trying to champion and, you know, this crazy, almost unethical sort of like, let's get back to the cinema during the pandemic sort of vibe. Yeah. uh it's created a bit of a weird rift in uh in my mind <laughs> uh and you know i guess just in you know this the film twitter film like going universe you know especially people that are really fucking into film i think some people like don't care either way some people are going to be like yeah i want to go i want to go because it's a new movie i'll go see a film uh it's a new christopher nolan film he did that batman movie uh and then, <laughs> he, thought, he did that batman
1: i liked
0: <laughs> and then there there'll be the other people who you know you know are on that same uh sector of your like just average moviegoer who aren't gonna want to go because there's a pandemic going on or they don't care about nolan or what you know whatever it is so it's 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 really a weird thing because it's being yeah, held up on this pedestal, being like the thing to save cinema, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and that's the vibe you've gotten, and I think that's ruined this film for me, and yeah, probably yeah. for a lot of people. Uh, I know there's, you know, Nolan's got his critics, you know, there's there's the people who like absolutely love Nolan, and then there's the people who like just hate Nolan and they want to take him down, you know, every chance they can get. And I find myself like during this pandemic falling into that just because I think it's irresponsible to like you know push so fucking hard for a film to come out during a pandemic but at the same time i think like it's not nolan's fault that this pandemic happened it's not his fault that uh the studios are really you know eager and i don't know the cinema industry around the world are really eager to like push this film as being the film i mean Nolan is just trying to make a movie at the end of the day yeah and
1: and he wants people to see it the way he wanted it to be seen and i get it and like it seems like an ideal movie because like, he does that escapist fantasy mm-hmm. thing really well, actually. Yeah. Um, so it's that, that's the kind of movie you'd want to go see. It's, it's an experience only a movie could provide sort of mind fuck playing with time thing that looks like he's going for. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Because if it's me, I'd be like, yeah, I'm disappointed, but I don't, you know, release the movie whenever it's best. Yeah. Oh yeah, I feel like it's been caught up. It's like a Joker thing again. I know you mm-hmm. love Joker, so I'm not going <laughs> to shit on it. But, yeah. like, the conversation around it damaged it yeah. a lot. And it was kind yeah. of unfair. I mean, it happens a lot. Like, film Twitter can be kind of toxic with that sort of thing.
0: Definitely. But,
1: like, this has got politics entwined in it. And it's just a movie. It gives a shit. Yeah. Like, people are dying. But that's the whole point is that you're pushing one while this other thing is still going. like like here it doesn't seem that big because I guess it's kind of calming down here, but there's still the impending like threat of like a second wave.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But like in America, it's highly irresponsible because the numbers just keep going up and up and up. Yeah, so it's like, I don't know, it's kind of a hard one. but you know he's already made the movie, so we can technically already see this movie it's the movie we're talking about today you know like it's just you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah i mean in america tenets coming out later i mean it's not oh okay this week uh i think they might have a date finally that is coming out sometime in september like but i don't know it's crazy in america right now you know, mm. I made that joke about Tom Cruise, and that I mean, I is almost a legitimate sort of thing. Like, how is he in, here? He shouldn't because, be traveling. Yeah, in America Yeah, Americans right aren't really being allowed to go anywhere
1: right now. He's Tom uh, fucking Cruise. He could yeah. teleport here. That's the fucking magical power. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I won't <laughs> mention you why. Wanna, <laughs> you, that's what you want to call that. Um, yeah. If you want to learn more about Tom Cruise's uh, powers, <laughs> you can go listen to our legend episode. I'll, Patreon. <laughs> exactly. The PCC podcast. What a segue. There we go. But uh, yeah. So this week, because we haven't seen Tenet yet, I don't know if I'll but see we might. Tenet. well. I yeah. might. I might. might, I, might not, I might not. I might just wait. Uh, I, I don't know. The thing is, you got to go to the cinema to see something that was like a bit quiet. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: I worry that Tenet's going to be drawing people in. For sure. And I don't want to go into a big crowd, but. You know, maybe catch a matinee performance someday. It probably won't be too bad. So I'll see what happens. So yeah. maybe. We'll see. But anyway, what are we talking about today, Phil?
1: Uh, the Dream Wire, Nightmare on Street, part three.
0: <laughs> Dude, so many people are going to be so upset that we're not talking about that. <laughs>
1: uh, Inception. It's the Inception episode. Here we go. It's the episode within an episode. Should we do that? Should we hide an episode in the episode?
0: Oh, man. What can we hide inside? Red (laughs) from. There's one thing you should know about me. I specialize in a very specific type
1: of security. Subconscious security.
0: You're talking about dreams. Mr. Cobb has a job offer he would like to discuss with you. Like kind a of work placement? Not exactly. We create the world of the dream.
1: We bring the subject into that dream and they fill it
0: with their secrets.
1: Then you break in and steal it.
0: Well, it's not strictly speaking legal.
1: It's called Inception.
0: found a way home, and this last job, that's how I get there, dreams feel real while we're in them, it's only when we wake up that we realize something was actually strange,
1: this is your responsibility, we are not prepared for this,
0: I have it under control. I need to see out of control.
1: You mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling.
0: Your mind is the scene of a crime. (laughs) Cobb, a skilled thief who commits corporate espionage by infiltrating the subconscious of his targets, is offered a chance to regain his old life as payment for a task considered to be impossible. Inception, the (sighs) inflammation of another person's idea into a target's subconscious. What? What? A what? It's a what? Phil, <laughs> uh, that doesn't even make sense. So, fuck it. It doesn't uh, fucking make sense. I think we're gonna need something to get us through this. So I'm just gonna call an audible and uh, go ahead and throw in the early snack time. It's snack time quarantine. quarantine. It's snack time
1: quarantine. Oh, 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 oh. It's snack time. What 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 I think you're really gonna like my snack time? D- this is a man with confidence thought. here. Yeah, it's no seriously. Uh, he you got so much go confidence
0: first? since last week, man. Fuck.
1: Yeah. Alright,
0: I'll go this. I'll go first, yeah. Alright, so this is actually a birthday gift, uh, because it was my birthday. Uh birthday! Yes, Happy birthday. birthday! birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday and uh, I got me and I figured it'd be pretty good because it's uh it's chocolate and then inside the chocolate it's like inception of candy there's a peanut butter and it's Ooh. in a big big cup cuz it's not your normal size it's a reese's big
1: cup oh, god damn reese's and always the best choice yeah
0: there's a little bit of here. Oh, man, that peanut butter smell. Take that bite. It is a big boy. It's It's a big big cup. It's a big old cup.
1: It's a chunky Chunky peanut butter cup.
0: I'll savor this throughout the episode. Do it. Mm, Dude, five out of five.
1: You can't fucking... Reese's
0: peanut butter cups are just...
1: Peanut butter and chocolate. So good.
0: There's so much extra peanut butter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: It's like a dog like stuck on your tongue <laughs> <laughs> now, what I have oh, yeah. this week, like you said, you know it's like a dream within a dream that we're talking about, and it's like a Russian nesting doll of like you know yeah. surprise, and what I have wrapped you know in the packaging, and then it's chocolate, and then inside a toy, oh
0: and I have boy.
1: a Kinder surprise
0: egg, damn mm. dude. God damn. I thought you were going to say you had an onion for a second. (laughs) Onion (laughs) templates. This ain't Shrek. If we ever do a Shrek episode, we're eating onions.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, please don't. There we go. Oh, that was a bad idea. I need to keep that open. I need someone to put the chocolate. Look at that. Here we go. Kinder Boys. You know, it's the most resilient parasite of an idea.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know what? It's banned in America as well. Why? Because you're not allowed to have like can like toys inside little, little the kid eat American fat fat little <laughs> those little American kids can't be trusted. All right. We ain't smart over there in America.
1: I'm um, opening up the first layer, the first, which is the chocolate. Let's do it. And you know, that's the first level, you know, that gives you like a week inside the person's subconscious. Open that. Take a bite out of the chocolate first. Damn. Very good. So light and fluffy. And then inside, it's another stream. It's another layer. (laughs) This gives you like, you know, six months or whatever. (laughs) Open that up. I don't know what's actually in here. And inside is a dinosaur toy.
0: Holy shit. And this is
1: what I call limbo. Because it takes you fucking forever to put these together. Could take you years. But, you know, it's supposed to look like that. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not paying attention during the episode, it's because I'm trying to put this together.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, you know, it's probably, you know, just apropos you
1: know? of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's best when you're not paying attention to it.
0: Yeah. Or <laughs> just stoned. Uh, it's the. Oh, yeah. 2010 mind-bending sci-fi heist thriller from Christopher Nolan, of course. We've been talking about Nolan this whole time. So, Phil, after the completion of his 2002 psychological thriller, Insomnia, Nolan actually presented to Warner Brothers an 80-page treatment for a horror film envisioning dream stealers based on lucid dreaming. So, here we go. It's Dream Warriors. Ready for it? I'm ready. <laughs> so he movie. decided that he needed a little bit more experience before tackling a production of this magnitude and complexity. More money, <laughs> yeah, a lot more money. Uh, so he shelved the project instead of instead and uh, worked on 2005's Batman Begins, 2006 is The Prestige, and The Dark Knight in 2008. Good boy. Good boy. He Bang. to good stuff good stuff the prestige is pretty underrated as well
1: i haven't seen the prestige but like i should have been more like i remember when this movie came out i should have been more excited because just after dark Knight,
0: when i thought that was the greatest fucking thing i'd ever seen (laughs) yeah dude the opening to dark Knight is incredible no i remember i saw that
1: in new york yeah with my brother and like and that was the best i'd never been i'd never seen a movie in america and like Mm -hmm. american crowds are like vocal you know and it was just so much fun. It just made it even better. And it was huge screen. Yeah. But like the whole the whole opening is shot in like IMAX. So it's completely mm-hmm. different from the rest of the movie. Yeah. No, it's great. The movie still, I think it still holds up. There's some weird shit about it, but.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, you know, snowing. <laughs> 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 so yeah, after The Dark Knight made $1 billion <laughs> worldwide, oh, 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 oh. Uh, Warner Brothers let. Nolan make this dreamy passion project with a budget of hundred and sixty million dollars. And then they put an additional hundred million dollars behind the film in advertising. God damn. You know, it's it's wild what can happen if you actually put money behind something and tell people it's coming out, you know. Oh uh, yeah, wild. you're right. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't always work though. <laughs> There's been plenty plenty of accounts of films just bombing completely, even though they've had a shit ton of advertising.
1: I kind of made my dinosaur.
0: Damn, that was quick.
1: Nice. I did, did this bit that I can't figure out what what it's supposed to do.
0: Oh yeah, what's your rating for the Kinder?
1: Oh, I like a Kinder egg. Where you going four? Four?
0: That's not bad. I give it
1: four. Um, uh, I give it four. Binny touch <laughs> Four totems. out of fives. Four totems. <laughs> That's
0: your totem, you dude. That little, that little dinosaur, dude.
1: No, me and Dusty were talking about totems. I'll ask you. We were watching it, and I was like, what would be your totem? Uh-huh. And mine would be like a Zippo lighter. That, like, maybe it doesn't run out Ooh. in a dream. Something okay. like that. Something that's personal to me. Yeah. That I smoke. <laughs> what um, would be yours? Like a guitar pick or something?
0: You know what? I actually was thinking about this I weird. Like, I was just thinking, like, oh, it might be my wedding ring. But then good, I forgot man. that I was thinking about it, like, while I was watching the film, and I only just remember that while you were saying that, and I think I was thinking that it could fit on all of my fingers if I was in the dream. Yeah, if it's not, then it could only fit basically on my two ring fingers, because that's the only fingers that actually really properly fits. On. That's a good one. That's yeah. a really good one. Nolan worked on the script for Inception for about nine to ten years in total. Uh, when he started thinking about the movie. He was influenced by what he said, that era of movies where you had The Matrix, you had Dark City, you had The 13th Floor, and to a certain extent, you had Memento. (laughs) You had me. (laughs) What what a mark for yourself, brother. Uh What a mark. Um, But yeah, they, they were based in the principles that the world around you might not be real. And like I said, Nolan originally envisioned Inception as a horror film, but... Eventually, he turned it into a dream heist film that we know today. Uh, God damn, I wish Nolan would just make a straight-up heist film because he said even though he found that traditionally heist movies are very deliberately superficial in emotional terms, so when he revisited (coughs) his script, he decided that basing it on a horror genre didn't work because of the story relies so heavily on the idea of the interior state, the idea of dream and memory, And he realized that he needed to raise the emotional stakes. Mm -hmm. But I mean, heist, like I I was just thinking about like when we were talking about the dark Knight, the opening scene, like I wish that wasn't even a Batman film. It was just like uh, the beginning of one of the best heist films that ever existed. It like like had that, you know, it had, yeah, definitely. It had that heat potential. It, it, It was so cool. And I'm not saying the rest of the film wasn't great, like, because I, I think The Dark Knight is really good. Mm-hmm, um, me too. But yeah, the opening is so good. Like, I just want a full blown heist film from Nolan. No tricks, no fucking, like, confusing Nolan tropes. Like, just a fucking action packed heist thriller.
1: Yeah, because he can do like a set piece, like, nothing else. Yeah, and Like, man. those Batman movies. I like Batman. I like comics. I'm I'm down for it. But like, they're they're just cop movies. They're like really good cop movies where people happen to be like wearing masks and shit. Yeah. And same with like this. It's got a lot of things on it, but essentially it's a heist movie where Mm -hmm. they have to get something out of some guy, you know, shit goes down. Yeah. Um, But you're right. I'd like to do, and not like a, I feel like that's sort of a, I know he did it. I didn't see Dunkirk. And I was kind of like, I didn't, it didn't look like it, I felt like I knew how I'd feel about it mm-hmm. already just from the It's Like I i will watch it eventually, but it's like, oh, I can see it's um, like wonderfully made and aesthetically brilliant. Um, But I can already tell I probably won't connect to any of these people and I won't care about it. And it's just kind of a standard sort of war movie. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, but I guess what he was trying to do there was re- reinvigorate an old genre you could do that with heist movies could i have seen like a really good heist movie in fucking ages the town would like the last really good one the afflick flick
0: that's i mean the the heist genre is like one of my favorite genres in cinema it's like i can put on a heist thriller film like any day of the week and just be completely stoked for it. Yeah. You know? I like
1: movies that like throw you into the story. Cause heist movies tend to start with like no background, no story. Yeah. Just, just a guy gets a job, job. <laughs> and he, it's like 10 <laughs> minutes they He's already putting the team together yeah. and then it's their mapping out plan. And then as it goes on, it, it kind of works backwards. Yeah. Like this movie kind of does that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, I dig it. I'm always yeah. down for something like that.
0: Well, Nolan spent six months completing the script after Dark Knight was done and said that the key to completing the script was wondering what would happen if several people shared the same dream. He said, once you remove the privacy, you have created an infinite number of alternate universes in which people can meaningfully interact with validity, with weight, with dramatic consequences. What? A what? (laughs) What? (laughs) On a funny note, though, Nolan actually didn't do any research on dreams when he wrote the (coughs) film. It felt like it. Much like he didn't do any research on memory when he wrote Memento. He said in an interview with Collider, I think a lot of what you find uh, you want to do with research is just confirming ideas you want to do. If the research contradicts what you want to do, you tend to go ahead and do it anyway. So at a certain point, I realized... That if you're trying to reach an audience, being as subjective as possible and really trying to write from something genuine is the way to go. Really, it's mostly from my own process and my own experience. So
1: Fair enough, man. He's cool. making a movie. Yeah. He doesn't have to be realistic. Yeah. He have to mean, be logical. He doesn't have to be realistic,
0: though. I rewatched this film for the first time since it came out the other night. I hadn't seen it since i saw it in cinemas i remember being hyped for it because i was like i was a bit of a mark from nolan uh at the time i was like hell yeah you know like i was well into the dark knight series and memento and i was i was up for it and uh yeah i was like let's do this and i remember liking it when i saw it initially you know and it was that sort of like i was what 20 21 years old 2021 and uh, I was sort of like, yeah, man, that's a deep movie, brother. <laughs> Not to think of, bro. <laughs> Whoa. What, did what? you get it? <laughs> yeah, did you get it? What? But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Rewatching it, like I, I've put it off for so many years just because it's just like become a bit of a funny meme in itself. And, um, That's the best
1: part about it is yeah. that fucking thing you have in the background, <laughs> yeah. like Leo squinting at Kelly Murphy. We're going to need bit. to go deeper. <laughs> I was waiting. I watched like two hours. Waiting
0: for that film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a meme and it's a bit silly. And then, like, you keep adding on more and more, like mm. Interstellar and all these films and the way Nolan is these days. So oh, it kind of made it hard for me to really, like, want to jump back into it. But when I was re watching mm. it the other night, I mean, I was laughing at a lot of stuff because a lot of stuff was just dumb as fuck in this film. Mm. But, like, there was a lot of stuff that's really cool as well. So I was enjoying it. I just think it's a bit too long. Uh, sure. Yeah, and, I fell asleep at one point. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I think sometimes he's just doing stuff. Just I feel like just for the sake to do it, like you know, he just do it because he doesn't I care. Do it. I don't care. I do it. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tommy though doing it. Like Adaption.
0: it's like I feel like he's making it weird just for the sake of making it weird. But I don't know. Yeah, mm. it's gonna impress those uh, NYU bros, you know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's one of the it came out at like the perfect time for like a certain group of people, a certain age. Um, I don't know, my feelings are a little bit different. I actively avoided this movie <laughs> for the longest time because it came out and I did not like the way people talked about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: it was very sort of this elitist thing where it's like if every review was like praising it and but it came from the thing of like, if you don't enjoy it, you just don't get it. Yeah. I'm you're smart stupid. enough to get it. And then <laughs> like South Park doubled down on that. They did their inception episode where they're, they they you know, they can see it just because the movie is complicated. Doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, fuck inception. I'm not even yeah. going to watch it. And then years later, I was like, you know what? I should watch inception. It actually looks pretty cool. Um, I uh, watched it at home and I really enjoyed it. I remember really enjoying it. Um and I haven't rewatched it since then. And I feel kind of the same. Like I feel like the the bits of it that are so amazing to watch. Yeah. And just like overwhelmingly cool and like it's an interesting premise and I like how far he takes the idea. He like really like played with it and breaks it and breaks it down. I mean, and like explored what would have like the effects on the characters and stuff. But there was a lot, it was very long. It was like just a lot of, it's that thing of like, it, it's not either. It's not like people are like, Oh, it's confusing. It's actually really not confusing. You're not that smart. Like it's actually really well explained everything in the movie. Yeah. They, they do it for like an hour essentially. Like I remember watching the opening and I thought the opening was so well done because he sets up the rules all visually when they're in Saito's dream. Yeah. And then they'd show you the kicks and everything and the multiple layers. And then they wake up and you're like, oh, I kind of get it. And it's the basic rule. And then you're like, oh, that was a really nice way of introducing this. And then he proceeds to re-explain himself for the next hour. <laughs> because then they That's introduce true. like Ellen Page and they have to explain everything yeah. to Ellen Page, how the actual things work. And it's just a lot of people walking across the frame, spouting expedition with some cool fucking effect. That's what keeps yeah. you going. Like, yeah. It's like it, literally, it just doesn't it's stop. Cool all, at all. Yeah, exactly. It's like the music over the whole thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the fucking buildings folded, like <laughs> yeah. it's folding onto yeah. each other. That stuff is fucking cool. Yeah. And really interesting details. Um, but it got better as it went on. Like the last half is so much fun when they just, you know what the plan is. And then you watch them try and take it out. But again, they set up an hour. They use an hour to set up all the rules mm-hmm. and then break every single rule in the second half. And it's really frustrating. Why even teach us all that if it doesn't matter? If it's like, oh, you can just wake yourself up, and then it's like, no, no, we're too far in. And it's <laughs> yeah. like we're so no, we're not, so
0: deep now that we can't wake so ourselves deep up, or else in we're the gonna dream. be
1: in limbo. What? Exactly. What? It's just uh, I think it the. Uh, I think it makes perfect sense if you don't ask any questions. Yeah. But like that was me. I'm watching. I'm like, but well, what if this would happen? What if that happened? That doesn't really make sense. You know what? No, i sorry. I went into it very deeply. We'll get we'll get through it. But, <laughs> um, I had a I had a good time. Yeah. It's a little. Superficial, but that's a lot of Nolan's movies. They're like that's why he's kind of good in that he he gets to and I think a lot of other filmmakers are sort of envious of him because he gets to dip his toe in both. He gets to make what it perceived as really highbrow intelligent um movies on like a blockbuster scale. Yeah. So he gets to incorporate but he gets to do big, huge escapist movies, but that are sophisticated. Yeah. Sophisticated blockbuster. But it's like, so they're fun and they're ostensibly quite deep, but there's nothing quite there underneath. They're yeah. a little cold. That's a lot of his movies. Even when he's like, this has a, a strong emotional through line with Leo's character. I actually quite like his whole story and talk, even though there's a lot of problems with it, which I'll get into. But yeah, there's just something a little shallow. That bit's not as strong as just the idea.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's it. Yeah. So well, my general
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> nah, I mean, that's really on Thank point. Thank you for I listening. <laughs> that's my <by> TED talk. <laughs> mm. <laughs> no, at some point though, I like, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, there's a lot going on in this film. Like you're talking about Leonardo DiCaprio's character. You said you'll get into a little bit. I mean, we're going to get into cast in a second anyway. But like, you know, the whole idea really, he's, he's supposedly killed his wife. Or at least apparently, you're led to believe that's what. He, I mean, is that that's what he says, right? That he's she kills he's, herself. She kills but herself, but he's on the
1: run. He's semi. Well, she sets him up, but he is yeah. semi. He's yeah, responsible. Right. She he's semi-responsible up. because he did he he implanted that thought in her head that yeah. the dream isn't real, so they could get out of limbo. But then that yeah. dream takes hold of her, and she can't get. She can't let it go. Yeah, and then she killed herself, and she writes like a, a letter saying that he had been threatening her and yeah. shit.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so that he had to follow her <laughs> into death or be on or the run. Know. And he decided to be on the run. Yeah. Um, it's all very fucked up. I read a great yeah. thing on Little White Line, which is like essentially that Leo's character, the gaslighting piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, should he be forgiven? We yeah. don't like, I don't know. The film kind of asks us to empathize and it's like, but he kind of, he did responsible for what happened to
0: her. Yeah, but in the meantime, he's he's trying to get back to his family. He can't go yeah. back to the Ameri- to America to the Americas to the Americas <laughs> where his two children are. Uh, yeah. And the they're two faithless children, maybe living with Michael Kane, but Michael Kane's not in there either. He's in London or something. I don't. They don't. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't they just, matter. They just keep going all over the place with these these characters. But anyway. Uh, he goes through this crazy Inception thing. We'll go with that, whatever. But the whole time I was just thinking, okay, so he gets hired by Mr. Saito to go plant this idea that uh, Fisher should break up his father's company and be a then man. he comes back in and be his own man. And uh, so Saito can come in and basically just take control of monopolize yeah. the market. It's a hostile okay. takeover, essentially. Cool. Makes sense. <laughs> Why didn't he just take him to a hypnotist? <laughs> or bring a hypnotist on the plane?
1: Well, that's what. Uh, We're right, solving actually.
0: this film already. Yeah. Point. What about
1: what about hypnotism? And Nolan would be like, hypnotism doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, neither does <laughs> going into someone's dream. Yeah. So fucking.
0: Yeah. You know, make a choice, dude. And he's just like, <laughs> I mean, I already did a film of it. It's called The Prestige. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was I was just like sitting there kind of laugh, laughing about certain elements. And while I like Marion Contiard, I, I appreciate her a lot. I um, pretty much think that uh, her whole entire character in this film, even though it's, it's nice, I like the scenes and stuff, it's just like... If you took her out completely, the film could be so much shorter, and it would still kind of get to the same point. You know what I mean? Like
1: it would still work.
0: It would still work, and you didn't need her there <laughs> at
1: all. And it's and again, it's kind of problematic because I've been thinking about it recently. It's like whenever you see her, she's fucking crazy, and yeah. she's like constantly trying to ruin the plan or trying to kill mm-hmm. everyone around Cobb. Yeah, and that's his projection of her. That's how he sees her. I guess to make himself feel better, but we yeah. know she wasn't like that in real life. Could whenever other characters talk about it, there's a Bill with Joseph Gordon-Levitt is talking to Ellen Page about her, and he said, "Oh, she was lovely." Yeah,
0: she's like one of the most lovely women ever. Yeah. Exactly,
1: and it's like, all right, but that's not the version I'm seeing. So I don't, I'm not yeah. even seeing her. She's just made to be the
0: strange antagonist. Yeah, not even in an, even some of the uh, scenes from memories like sci-fi. do you really get to see enough to see how amazing she was it's just they like f- him just talking about how amazing she was but every it's time it's a man version here, of
1: event yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: and nolan has said that that character is supposed to be sort of the ultimate femme fatale as well so.
1: <laughs> but no she's the ultimate like crazy yeah. woman the psycho chick like the gone girl
0: character. yeah Well, we're dealing with a lot of layers here. This film's an onion. Nolan.
1: (laughs) It's an onion. Inception is an onion.
0: Nolan has uh, said that he also had to convince the studio that the layered dreams would be minimally confusing as possible. He told him one of the dream levels is in the rain. One of them is in the night interior. One is (laughs) outdoors in the snow. In the snow. Even in the close up, you would be able to tell which level you're at when you cross cut.
1: I mean, he'd write though. It does work. It's actually really easy, really fun.
0: A lot of the times when the actors were uh, trying to figure out which level they were in, like Tom Hardy said, it wasn't too hard because he just had to look down at his shoes, and then he would be like, "Oh yeah, my like we're in this, we're in this level because I'm wearing these shoes."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Cool. That's like me. I'm like, oh, if I look down and I'm like just went fuck, I'm like I'm doing the podcast. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but if i'm like look down when band i'm like i'm probably outside walking the dog <laughs>
0: <room. laughs> oh man this podcast has become inception uh i don't know what's real anymore my life is revolving around the podcast now uh it's all i ever think about no uh, <laughs> we're talking about the cast here now so leonardo dicaprio he plays dom cobb what a dumb name dom Dom Cobb. Leo was uh, basically the only choice for Cobb for Nolan. Uh, Nolan had been trying to get Leo for years and years to be in something um, and he met him several times but he was unable to recruit him and uh, he finally got him for Inception. DiCaprio finally agreed because he was intrigued by this concept, this dream heist notion and how this character is going to unlock his dream world and ultimately affect his real life. He said that he read the script and found it to be very well written, comprehensive. But you really had to have Chris in person to try to articulate <laughs> some of the things that have been swirling around his head for the last eight years.
1: <laughs> you imagine it's that meme, right? If they are looking at Nolan, like, what? what? Like, <laughs> but I'm dream. How can you go to sleep when you're already asleep? Like, and and he's like, okay, all right. And the time dilation. All right. Yeah. Okay. And I could just imagine whatever I want, but only in like another person's dream. See, this What's is happening? like this is
0: a thing of like Nolan didn't do like nearly enough research on dreams, because if you want to believe that you could really lucid dream, mm. like if that's a real thing that you could, and people swear by that they yeah, they've yeah. had lucid dreams or they can make themselves have lucid dreams. I feel like it would take a lot more than just like, hey, yeah, you're an architect. Come be, uh, you know, come design my dream world. (laughs) 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 Like, then, like, you know, how much time? I I need a montage or something. Like, she's got (laughs) to learn how to, like, dream. You know, I'm talking about. She drew up the therapy, man. Yeah. (laughs) She's got to learn how to control her dreams before she can create a goddamn, like, dream world that can interact with other people. I mean, I don't know. I'm not buying it. Give me. And a like, this is attention. my
1: subconscious. And I can't control it. Remember, it's a lot of that. It's like, and yeah. you start attacking the yeah. dreamer and the, <laughs> the 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 whoever they fucking with. It. Yeah. So weird. Again, it's like he is riffing on the Matrix. Yeah. It's not as good as
0: the Matrix. Yeah. Although some people might believe it is. It, it's funny though because I feel like <laughs> you know when you talk about the, the Matrix though which has its flaws. I mean, it's a I love the Matrix, but it has cool. its flaws. It's a great movie. Yeah. But I feel like inception has somehow tapped into that weird thing where it's a part of the the cultural uh phenomenon. It, it became a cultural phenomenon. It's it's a part of like pop culture. It's it, it's like a almost like a, what an adjective in itself or like, you know, it's, you know, it's Conception all oh, this uh it was incepted into like you know like it just becomes a whole thing. Like people use it like
1: Yeah, it's the inception of that. It's yeah. Like, yeah.
0: But uh I'm not good at um parts of speech, so you know, don't ask <laughs> me. Um, right, neither is Nolan. I skip school Bang that <laughs> Got him. You got Take him that. on that. Got him. But Ooh. give me a give me a hypnotist. Come on. Yeah, come on. Come
1: on, what's going on? Come on.
0: Uh, once Leonardo DiCaprio was cast, though, he spent months with Christopher Nolan working on the script. Nolan said that he made some extraordinary contributions to the script and he really challenged me to make the script clear. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. So, I mean, what, how much weirder was before? this? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Everybody had the same name before. <laughs> <Everyone's just laughs> Everybody's called cough. Oh, man. They're like, no, they'll get it. They get it. It's all a projection.
0: But also, uh, he, to follow its interior logic and really be true to the essence of the characters and the rules we set out. So Nolan's wife and producing partner, Emma Thomas said that the work DiCaprio did on the character with Chris made the movie less of a puzzle and more of a story about a character audiences could relate to. (laughs) I really want to, I want, I want the, the original cut, the original, the original, the original idea, you know, that, that doesn't exist. But I, I would like for Christopher Nolan to like try to uh, re-edit the film that fits his original idea to see how <laughs> fucking nuts it is, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah, and I don't know how many people can relate to a character who inadvertently killed
0: his wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, well, we'll see. DiCaprio sure, surely did.
1: Yeah, I like DiCaprio. DiCaprio, I have the same journey. Mm-hmm every movie I watch him in, can I like him. But every time I start a movie with him, I'm like, oh, it's Leo. And I'm kind of just seeing Leo. I feel like it doesn't feel like I don't, I don't see the character. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of the movie, he slowly convinces me and makes me like a believer in him. And I'm like fully into his character.
0: Yeah, like, that's I'm true, not, man. The Revenant not, I, had heavy that like, yeah, when I first started the sure. Revenant, I'm like, oh, it's DiCaprio, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro.
1: Same with like the, I I watched The Aviator recently, mm. and I know like, holy shit, like by yeah. the end I didn't see him. Same with this, like yeah by the time you're getting to the end and he's like like psychologically broken, like I totally bought the character. And there's wonderful little moments of acting. I love him I pointed it out when we were watching it, it's like I love his reaction um when she jumps out yeah. the window. It just seems really real and kind of it's a really like messy thing. His voice goes high, it gets all squeaky, and he yeah. can't even look at it. I just really like it. I think he's good in this
0: movie. I can't believe it took him so long to win an Oscar, you know? Like, yeah,
1: like, goddamn. And crazy. I wouldn't even, and I still wouldn't have given it for what he got it for, but yeah. like,
0: I mean, he climbed I'm, I'm, into I'm, a horse's <laughs> head film.
1: <laughs> I don't know what he did, you know, behind the scenes them to make him do that but you know he paid his dues <laughs> if you want that Oscar you gotta put on the horse's head or any variation you yeah. know like Michael Keaton had to put on a bird's head yeah you know it just keeps going going
0: yeah as long as you put think a about head it head of a animal that you massacre
1: <laughs> Eddie Redmayne had to put on a wheelchair you know.
0: <laughs> oh man <laughs> <laughs> well for the rest of the cast Nolan said you're we just trying to cast the best people we can find for those parts who felt right around leo this also involved casting a young ensemble because nolan said that uh he wanted to get a young energetic cast around leo who would make him look younger you know because leo has always had that thing of like old as fuck <laughs> well you know he's old but like he, he it took him like until like i feel like Maybe 2015 to really start to look a bit older. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he always just looks You're so right. young back then. Yeah, the like, like yeah, like even like
1: Catch Me If You Can or something. Still like Babyface. You know?
0: Yeah. Dude, that's that's fucking peak. That's a bang, that's like, peak to catch. I you. Didn't and like, peak Hank. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I'd rather be talking about that. Uh, <laughs> you know, Catch Me If You Can is perfection. I feel like that's a perfect movie. Like, well, here's how many episodes. Here we go. It's the episode it's, within the here episode. Here we go. It's the episode within the episode. Yeah. I'm not telling you, man. Leonardo DiCaprio is so good in that movie. You're talking about how you get like, uh, you know, lost a little bit, like at first, because you just look and you say, "Oh, that's DiCaprio." I don't get that with uh, "Catch Me If You Can." It's like I turn that on, he becomes Frank away. Abagnale Jr. Man, it's perfect. It's yeah. so good. And also, you can almost convince yourself that like Frank's father frank you know senior christopher walken yeah. is mysh. playing the same character and is the same guy from pulp fiction
1: that's how i think of it yeah same boy stuck it up in that you
0: know <laughs> <laughs> Too wouldn't, wouldn't be yeah. surprised if he like told yeah. that story in catch me if you can it would wouldn't wouldn't phase me totally would have worked yeah, yeah he's just like in the middle of it, like hey frank where you going you I got can just watch for Voyage. You know? <laughs> <laughs> why guy. why
1: are you scooching away? I already told you about the scooching.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so for the rest of the cast, we got Joseph Gordon Levitt as <laughs> Arthur. Uh he's Cobb's partner who manages and researches the missions. Uh originally James Franco was in talks with Christopher Nolan to play Arthur, but ultimately unavailable due to scheduling conflicts. So went to Joseph Gordon-Levitt, man, he was on a kick during this time period. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt a lot. Uh, it's kind of weird how it felt like he was on the up, the up, the up, the up, the up, the up, and then it just sort of like fizzled out. Yeah, a little yeah. that, you know, like he's still I a mean, big star. I don't know what it is, but
1: I mean, my thing with the JGL and what I call him, JGL. Mm-hmm. I loved him as a kid. You know, Third yeah. Rock. We've talked about I love yeah. of Third Rock angels in and the outfield he, oh fuck yeah dude yes. i forgot about that one and then he had his cool indie face you know mysterious skin and brick yeah and i like him in 500 days yeah and i like him in a bunch of movies but he there's a, I also like dislike him in a lot of stuff. firstly he's got this thing he does with his face where he always like looks confused and like, yeah yeah. You know, really, like, self-effacing. You know, like, he does the eyebrow thing. Like, I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> just feeling like, what? He does that a lot, and it's kind of, it's really annoying. And I think he's best when he's not acting. Yeah. He, every movie, like, Snowden or, like, The the Walk, shit, like, anytime he does a voice or had like, any practical, uh like, makeup on him, I really can't buy it. I don't know yeah. why. Especially, like, and he's done it in this movie. He done deep voice
0: yeah he delivers deep voice. a few lines that just don't yeah. feel real at and all it
1: feels very put on yeah. and like i don't know why he couldn't just use his normal voice because in general i like i like he played that whole the whole thing down and he got the mm-hmm. flick back here and he cool I like he's explaining like the loops and the tricks you can do within the the within the dream and he has some of the fucking coolest sequences towards the end like in the elevator and the fucking the hallway all that shit cool. But yeah, it's always just like a weird mick thing I have with him.
0: Yeah, no, I get I like it. it. I like him in general. No, I get it. I, I mean, you know, I, I, I kind of agree with that, to be honest. You know, and I haven't seen all of Snowden. And I remember I wasn't really enjoying it uh, when I was watching it. And that's probably why I didn't finish it. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's best suited in those things. Like I, I find him like, you know, because it's more of the stuff he's been doing lately is when he's like hanging out with... Uh, a really fun crowd like yeah like uh, the night before the night before i love yeah, them yeah yeah or like those seth rogan films even 50 50s are right it's not yeah, it's yeah. not like amazing but it's still pretty fun he could uh been. yeah he, you know he's he's better in those sort of like just having fun with some friends doing a stoner film you know
1: yeah, exactly yeah
0: yeah all right so next we got ellen page is uh ariad,
1: ariad-, ariad- ariadne ariadne
0: I Ariadne. thought I literally I
1: just looked it down because I just have a list of names, yeah, right and I was like, "How do you pronounce that?" I don't remember anyone yeah. saying her name ever in the movie.
0: Yeah. I think it, Michael Caine does say it like when he calls her over and when she's coming down the steps and that really like unnatural, all just like, it feels like a scene from X-Men, like, you know, and they're in the school or something like, hey, yeah. Ariadne, she, come here. And she's in X-Men. She, yeah. She was Kitty. Yeah. She was Kitty pride, That's cool. Yeah. She didn't get enough of this film either because she decided she had to go do Flatliners as well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have more lucid dreaming, but this time yeah. I'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Her character is weird in this one. Like I, yeah. agree. I will, I'll say for the whole cast in general, they don't get enough. Cause it have yeah, still a cast man. Mm-hmm. But like Ellen Page, it's essentially there to ask questions mm-hmm. and explain the mo- and so other people can explain the movie. Yeah, and she's also, I just, she does really weird, like, dusty, pointing stuff out. Like Michael Caine introduces her to Leonardo DiCaprio, and she knows that essentially a job interview and she's just there eating lunch like in <laughs> front of her you know what I mean like little things and she yeah. like sees Leo dreaming and she just like goes into a dream like really invasive like I get it because she's like worried about the mission and shit but like fuck off you don't get to do that like you're yeah. doing in private stuff and she just walked in and like ruined
0: everything which yeah. I mean, she's, she's a little weird shit like that yeah. always changed <laughs> always meddling you know yeah yeah Leo would have gotten away with if it wasn't for these meddling
1: Ariadne. These pesky (laughs) (laughs) scooby Doo Inception, but it's scooby Doo. She would make a good Velma, definitely. Saying it now,
0: definitely. You know, Ellen Page. It's funny. I mean, her character for sure. Like you said, is it's weird. I mean, like the whole lead up to her character, Michael Caine. Before she even comes on screen, Michael Caine's sitting there like telling. Leonardo DiCaprio to come back to reality, come back to reality. I have issue with that scene because like two seconds later, he's like, oh, all right. I think I got the per- perfect person for you. <laughs> yeah. And just like immediately just introduces on. Um, okay, cool. Who cares? Fuck reality. Yeah. Uh, go fucking go mental and ruin one of my students. Why don't you? <laughs> Literally, yeah. Because
1: she's never going to have a normal life after that. Yeah. What they do is technically illegal. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So she's a graduate student of architecture who is recruited to construct the various dreamscapes which are described as mazes. The name Ariadne actually alludes to the princess of Greek myth, daughter of King Minos, who aided the hero Theseus by giving him a sword and a ball of string to help him navigate the labyrinth which was prison of the Minotaur. So she's basically, you know, guiding Leo's character through. She's, she's, Literally, Ariadne. Uh, Ellen Page actually, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Ellen Page didn't actually audition for the role. She met with Nolan in a sit-down that had nothing to do with the script. And then the next week, she was offered to read the script. Uh, she had to do this in an office and couldn't take it home because it was pretty secretive. Mm-hmm. And she liked the part, so she got it. So Nolan said that Paige was choos- chosen for being a perfect combination of freshness and savvy and maturity beyond her years. I mean, yeah. I mean, that was the thing. We're coming off of like, like two years after. Was it Juno? two years after Juno? I mean, yeah. she was pretty big at this point. Ellen Page was popping into everything. Uh, again, mm-hmm. another thing where it just seems like she was on the up and up and up and up and up and up and up. And then she took a few weird choices, and then kind of, I don't know. I guess people are weird about her personal life as well. Um, you know, who gives a shit, really? Yeah, and, uh, she. Yeah, hasn't really been doing as much, you know? Yeah,
1: she's in Um Umbrella Academy, one of those shows, mm. which is doing well. But yeah, one of those to kind of, yeah, within like a bunch of big movies. X Men 3 peaked. Yeah. Peak. I think not before Juno, actually. But, you know, that's the peak yeah. for me. Um, you know,
0: peak for me, though, with her is uh, Trina on Trailer Park Boys. Mr. She Leahy's. was on Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, she was Mr. Leahy's daughter when she was like 12 years old. Like you know because she's canadian and that shows canadian so yeah she's uh if you want to go go to netflix you'll enjoy it because it's fucking great trailer park boys watch the whole series but trina's in there i think from like season two or three it's great good time young ellen (laughs) page i always hope that she's just going to appear again like just for some random reason as an adult they just bring her back that'll be so great um yeah, so before Ellen Page was offered the role, though, Nolan had considered casting the likes of Evan Rachel Wood, Emily Blunt, Rachel McAdams, Emma Roberts, Taylor Swift, and Carrie oh Muller. Oh, God.
1: He would do that again with
0: fucking you know, Dunkirk.
1: Like, I'm going to yeah. put Harry Styles in there.
0: Hey, shut up, man. You know, Harry, Harry's going to come for you. Come Harry. at me. <laughs> come at me, Harry. She's, I think, trying to get me to watch Dunkirk and talk about it just because of Harry Styles. I haven't
1: seen it, and I assume he's bad in it. <laughs> Mike drop.
0: Next is uh, my favorite boy <laughs> that I got a little bit of flack for, for hating on a little bit. Um, Tom Hardy as Eames. Yeah, what the fuck is your problem? He's, uh, <laughs> he Again, another role where I think he's kind of bad and pointless in it, but anyway, uh,
1: short tone, dissociative <laughs>
0: Cobb. He's referred to as a fence, but his specialty is forgery, more like you know, identity theft. Eames yeah. uses this ability to impersonate himself. others inside of a dream worlds in order to manipulate Fisher. I mean, he's okay. I just feel like he doesn't get enough in this film. So I just, you know, he's just, there. I would,
1: but I would agree with you, but I like, I would say this more, it's the most annoying with him, him and Killian Murphy. Cause I, I know they're great, but like Tom Hardy comes on the screen and he's instantly the most like, like magnetic person. Yeah. He's the most natural person on screen. And that's saying something could Leo is there with him, but he makes the really weird dialogue look quite effortless. Yeah. And it's like, you know, his charisma easily comes through and I just immediately I'm like, Oh, I love watching Tom Hardy. I think he's so <laughs> good and I'm like, But he's not in this movie. Yeah. He's like he's barely in it, but every time he in, he got a cool moment. He has a whole sequence at the end, which Essentially, looks like his showreel to be the next James Bond, where he's <laughs> yeah. you know that bit in the snow when he's knocking them off the feeters yeah. and stuff. Yeah, definitely. It's so Bond. It's so cool. I never and
0: thought about him being a Bond. That'd be pretty I, funny. I,
1: I watched that and I'm like, oh man, now I kind of wish I saw a Nolan movie because I can see Nolan really liked Bond. That yeah, he definitely. liked that espionage thing. And I think he had he was attached at one point. Yeah. Um, but.
0: Yeah, I think I my know, thing yeah, with just, Tom Hardy though is just Hardy. it's become a bit of a like a, a running joke with me anyway. Because, like, uh, yes. to be honest, I loved him in the Revenant. It, I, I find him hard to understand sometimes. And it's become a it's trope that Mamba core thing. Yeah, it's it's a trope in Nolan films anyway, to barely be able to understand the, the characters. And the pure and you, put effect, you know he got the burn. Yeah.
1: Nobody uh, character, I put on the mask.
0: I'm gonna do the rest of the podcast. Like this, okay? <laughs> I, was the <laughs> I was born in the darkness. I was born. I was born in the. It in will section. be
1: extremely painful <laughs> for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because he's doing like a uppity British accent, but he's like yeah. <laughs> born in like a panic prison or something. It's really yeah, weird yeah. that character. It's strange.
0: Uh, no. Nolan cast Tom Hardy as Eames, though, because of his performance in 2008's Rock and Roller. Hardy <sighs> stated, though, that he had thought he was cast because of his other 2008 film, Bronson. And, and Nolan he,
1: loves Bronson.
0: Well, he arrived on set only to learn that Nolan had never seen Bronson at that time. Really? Point. Yeah, apparently. Oh,
1: I, I, know. Saw a, I saw a screening where Nolan spoke about Bronson
0: there. Maybe it was afterwards where he was just like, Okay, well I guess I gotta go watch this film called Bronson. You won't stop yeah. talking about it. Uh Good movie. Eames is named after Charles Eames and Ray Eames, a married couple well known in the fields of furniture design, building architecture, and avant garde documentary filmmaking. And I think some of their like architecture and stuff would have been, you know, uh, used as an idea for the set design in this film as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Ken Watanabe as Mr. Saito. He's a Japanese yeah. businessman who employs Cop for the team's mission. Uh, Nolan basically was just like, Yeah, I, I want him in this film. I want to work with him again after he was working with him in Batman Begins because he plays Raza Ghul's decoy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. he's solid. He's a solid hand. I like Ken Watanabe a lot.
1: Yeah, he's the only thing I remember about Godzilla. You know, he got that, let them fight. Let them. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the best bit. The only good yeah, <laughs>
0: definitely. We have a uh, lip Rao as Yusuf. Uh, Rao described Yusuf as like the avant-garde pharmacologist who is a resource for people like Cobb who want to do work unsupervised, unregistered, and unapproved of anyone. But <laughs> co-producer Jordan Goldberg said that the role of the chemist was particularly tough because you don't want him to seem like he's some kind of drug dealer. <laughs> and, then and he Raul, is essentially a drug yeah, dealer. Yeah, he is. And Rao was cast because he was pretty funny and interesting and obviously smart. Uh, next, you got Killian Murphy, who plays Robert Michael Fisher. He's the heir to the business empire his father started. Uh, and yeah, he's the target. He's the person they are trying to do the inception Incept. on. Incept? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't you know. know. And,
1: you know, he's not going to say no to the inception, he's, because, you know, the, yeah, implications the implications of being in limbo. <laughs> <laughs> that's essentially what limbo is you yeah know? it's just like you it's know. being out to sea he can say no he's free to say no <laughs> to the idea but that point <laughs> there's only
0: one way out and that is to accept the idea dude being out to sea really or is limbo isn't it it's like you yeah. can't see like until anything. you get to shore like you can't see anything around you you're just out like floating wobbling wobbling yeah the rules don't apply you know no more rules <laughs> are out the yeah. window yeah they say they serve pizza out there on the seas, you know? <laughs> what? Oh, what? Man. Who? I think I recognized someone on that boat. Nah, it could be. No. Uh, Murphy said that Fisher was portrayed as a petulant child who is in the need of a lot of attention from his father. He has everything he could ever want materially, but he's deeply lacking emotionally. And he researched the sons of Rupert Murdoch to add to the idea of living in the shadow of someone who is so immensely powerful. I mean he could also just research Donald Trump Jr. and be the same guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah and see the internal pain. Next
0: I completely completely forgot this guy was in this film. Tom Berenger uh, Peter Browning. When he popped up I was like oh shit the substitute is in the building. Here we go. I (laughs) love Tom Berenger man. He's like so weird. Such a weird actor. He just appears and stuff. Weird face. He's got like Ray Liotta face if it was beaten a little bit harder. Uh, Ray Liotta in a boxing movie. It looked that's like
1: Ray Liotta wearing a Ray Liotta face.
0: <laughs> Tom Beringer, Peter Browning, he plays Robert Fisher's godfather and fellow executive in the Fisher's Company. He basically only appears in reality once in this film, and that's at the very beginning when yeah. they're having that meeting. And then the rest of the film, he's basically being portrayed in a dream by Eames. So, by Tom Hardy. Yeah.
1: Tom Hardy is Tom Berenger in Inception. <laughs> That's fucking Inception, <laughs> That's Inception,
0: dude. brother. Yeah. That's your movie. And we, of course, got Michael Caine because it's a Christopher... I mean, what is, is Christopher... My knowledge? name is Michael Caine. He's going to retire neighbor. when Michael Caine eventually passes away. Probably... In all soon. of his movies. He's in everything. He's so yeah. old now as well, so... Yeah, I don't know. Was Michael Caine in Dunkirk? I didn't see Dunkirk. Yeah.
1: I refused to see Dunkirk. Just (laughs) like I refused to see Inception. And then I saw it and I was like,
0: I'm not right. (laughs) (laughs) Is Michael Caine in... uh, Is he going to be in Tenet?
1: Yeah, he's in Tenet.
0: He puts the same people in every movie. Jesus Christ. But look... Yeah, he's in Dunkirk.
1: But look, that's the thing where... Or be like, God damn, Christopher <laughs> Nolan always put in the same movie in his movie. But then it's like, oh, I really like how, you know, Kevin Smith works with his friends all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's one of those, like, at a certain level, whatever he does, he's going to get shit for it. <laughs> yeah. But also, he's right. Like, fucking yeah. get some more people. I'm excited for our patch in Tenet. Yeah. Just because I'm excited for something new. Something new. And I'm excited for the Batman, and I've really liked his yeah. output in the last few years.
0: Yeah, but he's it's like been more good, man.
1: the other people around it that make me want to watch it. and John David Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, I like him in Black Clinton,
0: Michael Kane. He plays Professor Stephen Miles. We talked about him a little bit already, we don't really need to go any further. But he's Cobb's father in law, he's a mentor <laughs> of Cobb as well. But yeah, he's his daughter is Marion Cotillard, Mal Cobb. Um, yeah, she's, she's French. he's British. What kind yeah, what what, 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 what? It doesn't matter. You know, it's it's, it's only it's only a, a you know a channel you know <laughs> it separates yeah. it. Uh, but yeah, she's Dom's deceased wife. Uh, she only appears basically in memories and subconscious, and she's crazy, like we've said already. Contiard actually said that Mal is uh, one of her favorite roles that she's played, which is pretty interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. the Edith Piaf song. Now, I'm going to mess this up. None, je regret rien. Uh, that, wasn't too bad. Too yeah, bad. that was pretty that's Yeah, that's pretty good.
1: That's as good as I would do. I love how they use this song. Yeah, in it the,
0: uses a plot device in the film to basically time the dreams and, and synchronize the kicks. Yeah, and synchronize the kicks. Because uh, what? They're usually in like for five minutes, right? And that song it's like five minutes. Like,
1: in reality, gives you, you know, like a week on the first level. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Like. That. <laughs> Who oh, cares?
0: God, I can't. Yeah. Who cares? Uh, but yeah, it was down. funny because when I was like, I, I forgot that that song was like an important piece of the film. And, you know, she had played Edith Piaf in 2007's La Vie en Rose, which she won an Oscar for and absolutely yeah. phenomenal. And that's where like probably like a lot of people in, uh, in English speaking countries and stuff uh, became really aware of Marion Cotillard.
1: Definitely. Yeah
0: unbelievable in that film she's great I, I, I like her a lot um but yeah nolan said that the use of the song was coincidental and then after katia was cast he actually intended on changing the song to eliminate speculation on the subject but hans zimmer actually persuaded to you know persuaded him to keep it so Then he use it in cool? his score yeah yeah he does yeah because he was writing the score alongside i think when they were actually filming the film. So he was kind of like using little plot elements and stuff like to continue his writing and stuff.
1: I wish he would use a funnier song. You know, (laughs) like, uh, like jump around by House of Pain or something.
0: Mambo number five. Yeah. (laughs) Marion Cotillard, Mal. She's a manifestation of Dom's guilt about the real cause of Mal's suicide. Uh, There's lots of similarities with another big, 2010 film that leo was in and when i looked up that it was the same year i was like holy shit
1: oh yeah shutter island shutter island i was saying that when i was watching i was like this was his like fucked up like background like movie season like area you know like leo's fate of like playing like really damaged characters with unhealthy relationships and yeah. uh, dead partners <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> He was really into the role, man. That's yeah, what I was saying it,
1: earlier. It was during a bachelor period. So both films sense.
0: deal with the ideas <laughs> of alternate realities. Shutter Island's take is purely based on the mental state of DiCaprio's character, while Inception deals with the mental state of DiCaprio's character within the context of the ability to invade and interact with the dream world. In both films, we also find that DiCaprio is dealing with the tra- tragic loss of a dead wife that haunts him Mm -hmm. in Shutter Island. She's a ghost or a figment of his imagination, but in inception, she lives purely within his subconscious. Depending on your take on things, this last one's a stretch, but you know, I'll stand behind it. In both films. He killed his wife. You know, we already talked about it a little bit anyway. Spoilers, dude. <laughs> Are
1: you kidding me? And um, we're getting
0: deeper. This is, you want it to go film within a film. We're doing it. Yeah, we're doing it. So there's even people who connect the two films to Westworld due to similarities in the stories and plot elements and character names. And Westworld is created by, co created by Jonathan Nolan. Well, there
1: you go. I mean, I would say they just have the idea over and
0: over again. That's why there's so many references. Definitely. (laughs) definitely. It's just they're sharing ideas as well.
1: (laughs) Shaw Island's a good shout man and for me that's an underrated like I really dig it although I did not understand it the first time I saw it. I remember finishing watching it and I turned to my brother and I was like oh did this happen and I offered him an explanation which was essentially another twist on the movie, and he's like, "No, it was just this. It was just that <laughs> twist." And I was like, "Oh, I thought there was like another twist yeah. on top of it." And he was like, "No, man." But I was like, "But now I still think about that movie. I don't want to say maybe we'll do a show Allen episode one day, but like, um, I still think of, when I think about that movie, I still think it with my ending in mind, which is the better ending."
0: Yeah, I think that film sort of. I think most people thought there was going to be more to it. And then you're like, oh, wait, wait, what? <laughs> I dig
1: it, man. It's got fucking Casey Jones in it. Yeah, title.
0: dude. Hell yeah. Dang. I love Elias Cortez. All right. But Phil, what if I told you? <laughs> are you ready to go deeper? We're doing another film deeper. within a film within a film. We're doing this. All right. You want to yeah. go deeper? Do I want to go deeper. Like, are you gonna allow me? This is actually part of your contract, your new contract, that uh I'd have to go down further rabbit holes than I was actually prepared to go for. But hey, we're talking about Inception here, so why not go down a reddit rabbit hole, okay? Oh shit. <laughs> I'm ready,
1: man. I'll follow you into so,
0: dark. <laughs> what if I told you that Inception is a prequel to Titanic? Titanic? With Cobb right. being hired to extract the information about the whereabouts of the heart of the ocean from the senile old lady Rose.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm gonna click this article here, and I'm gonna read it because why not? Please
1: do it. No, please, because right. I bet this would make Titanic a better movie.
0: <laughs> All right. So this person says, "I apologize in advance for the wall of text." So let's get started. Rose is senile. She has Alzheimer's disease to boot. We know that. They're the fact. She is the only person that knows where the heart of the ocean is. But she just can't tell anyone where it is since <laughs> she is mentally impaired by her dementia. She
1: mm-hmm.
0: doesn't remember, at least not consciously, where it is. Inner Cobb, a young extractor that shows great promise. He is hired by historians to go into Rose's mind and find the location of the heart. But she won't just give in. So two levels are made. The first uh, involves a deep sea crew that is looking for the heart. And another level that is the actual story Rose is telling. Mm -hmm. When Rose sleeps at night. (laughs) I haven't read this whole thing. I kind of stopped because I just wanted to surprise myself. So I'm probably going to laugh a lot. So (laughs) when Rose sleeps at night. In the first level, Cobb, disguised as one of the crew members that avoids Rose during the day, enters her room and goes into her dreams. (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) he enters her room, which, due to the nature of the first level, are about the Titanic. There he is, Jack, a character that is accepted by Rose's mind because she simply can't remember things all that well. She doesn't remember if she really loved her fiancé So easily, it steps another man into her memories. He seduces her and follows her around, trying to see where she stores the heart. Anything to give a clue as to where it is now. (laughs) When he gets the chance to look at it in her safe, uh, he snoops around a bit. Maybe all that needs to be done is explore the wreck of the ship and retrieve the safe. At this point, Rose has a fleeting moment of clarity and her projections arrest Jack. Why don't they kill him? Because Rose, even in her moment of clarity, still can't quite remember things correctly. Oh my god. I love this. So Jack is locked up. During his time, he misses his kick. The band playing the song on deck. Holy shit, this guy went deep.
1: But he's trying
0: to escape by yelling for help. Hoping a projection will hear him and kill him. So he'd wake up. He doesn't know what will happen if this happens yet instead rose finds him and decides that he is going to get this job done the two escape, and cal another projection realizes what is happening and tries to kill him around this time the two find another confused projection mr adams who is noticing that something is not quite right with the way uh, time is progressing but he can't quite figure it out (laughs) the ship sinks and Jack dies. What happens when you die while in a dream? He wakes up in limbo. How did Jack know so much? Something odd, giving his social standing simple. He had training to help him survive the sinking. What evidence do I have to back this up? Glad you asked. (laughs) Jack's memory is slightly off much like Saito's in Limbo later in Inception. So he makes links between things. There's some conscious te- uh, trying to t- tell him of his actual memories and past experiences. While on the Titanic, Jack draws a girl. Draw me like
1: one of your French girls. Yeah. I can't think for French Oh, girls. okay. Marion Cotillard. I French.
0: <laughs> there, I found the There link. you go. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So while on the Titanic, Jack draws a girl and her father playing with something. That What is that something? A top Jack searches the safe for the heart. Where do they convince Robert Fisher important info is held? In a safe. How does Everyone Jack die? He freezes in the ocean surrounded by water. What is a major kick required for him from Fisher's dream? Being suddenly dropped in water. Water. I think I don't want to finish this. This is annoying now. <laughs> Anyway, Skip to the
1: end. Skip to the good.
0: <laughs> I don't know if there is a good bit. Do you buy
1: it? Do you no. buy it at the theory? No. It's an interesting way to frame Titanic, though. Yeah.
0: I don't even know how far I'm going to go into this before I just like, uh, edit most of that out. But um, <laughs> yeah.
1: I think it's worth looking at. It's,
0: it's funny. Yeah. It's a our mean, movie
1: within a movie. This is our limbo phase.
0: This is our limbo phase. This is where we yeah. get lost. And I've like. Could we had uh, first level
1: would Catch Me If You Can? Yeah. Second level. Island, yeah, and now third level Titanic,
0: and I'm really lost now, and I don't even know what's going on anymore. I can't even remember how to get out of limbo.
1: Oh, you have to like uh, fall. Oh, I don't. Fa- this is my main problem with the movie. <laughs> I'm gonna say just fall off your chair. Can they do the thing? You know, like just falling wakes you up. Um, how do you look? Oh, okay, so Cobb and. Mal, Mal, whatever the fuck her name is, are like experimenting with dreams and how far they can go, right? Yeah. Because they're just like lying on their floor, they're just doing it freely of their own free will. They're like a 60s couple like experimenting with acid and then one of them kind of loses their mind and never yeah. comes back. That's essentially what happened.
0: Yeah. Put a little bit of Grateful Dead on, got lost in the solo. Yeah. Touch you know? of Grey, you know, I'll get by. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um,
1: they go into this dream and they reach limbo and they discover that they can freeform like make their ultimate reality but you have to I'm assuming they go back multiple times and then they get like stuck there because the thing of limbo is that you don't realize you're dreaming so you can't wake yourself up because you can just kill yourself to wake yourself up that's what they do in the end yeah, they lie on the train track. That's what Saito does at the end. You know, he grabs the gun, and they suddenly they wake up. But you always you always know you're in limbo. At first, it's the choice that they've decided to stay there for fifty years. Do they not realize that fifty years have passed? Could they're getting old? Yeah, and like I get it. She like she accepts the world around her as reality, and that's her secret you know, she puts her spinning totem in the safe. And I like the safe thing in the movie because it's a way to get, like, a movie trope in there, but it works. Like, you know, why does everyone always have to fucking secret safe? But, like, you know, if it's in your mind, if you have to, like, make physical this abstract idea, it might as well be a safe. Yeah. But, yeah, I just don't understand. And I don't understand how their whole thing is that you die in a dream, you wake up. But as soon as they enter Fishing dream, Saito gets shot. And they're like, let's just kill him and he'll wake up. And he's like, no, no, I'm we're in too, too deep now. Yeah, not with this compound. Well, why the fuck didn't you say anything? Yeah. like I feel like he forced them into the mission, not telling them any of the actual states. Yeah. There's a the legit chance that they fall into limbo and their mind goes into mush by the time they all get out.
0: Yeah, which Ellen Page actually does bring up, which is a good point. You know, she she brings all this up and basically says you haven't told anyone like about what's going on with you as well, with your wife chasing you and screwing up everything every time you go. And under. why did
1: that happen? Could nobody else. But also, how did that happen?
0: How come it seems like they go into limbo when they die within a dream within a dream? <laughs> <laughs> if you. And then, like they can get out of it by dying within limbo. Uh, it's I don't buy it. I'm not buying it anymore. He so, died. He'll anyways. in general, you'll die
1: if you die in a dream. You wake up, but because of the heavy sedation they're under, he, if he died at any level, he will. He goes into limbo, and that happened on like the third level. level whatever. They just yeah. keep sending him through. But fuck, man, I don't know. But, you know, just enjoy it. Because, like, oh, isn't this <laughs> bit cool, the fucking, you know, the you know, building getting flooded or yeah. the fucking... the co- was cool, when man. The gravity, just shut up. <laughs> yeah, just shut up. I love the bit where, yeah, Gone Gonleva has to make a kick, you know, by tying them up in and exploding the elevator. Yeah. Actually a really smart bit of writing there. Yeah. Um, and it's good. You know, all that stuff is really fun.
0: Also, if you put all the main characters' names like in a row in a certain order, it will spell Dreams Pay. That's just a stupid thing. Someone I hate myself. figured out. I, I don't know. I, I, I that hate that I know that now. <laughs> I can't
1: believe you said that to me.
0: <laughs> so let's get into the sets. We're wrapping up here. We're almost done. We're almost done. Uh but yeah, the sets are probably one of the cooler things about this film. Uh for the scenes in which Arthur is floating, I think it's probably like one of the coolest scenes in the whole entire movie for sure in the hotel you know without gravity Joseph Gordon-Levitt wasn't acting in front of a green screen or placed in zero gravity imagine that dude imagine <laughs> like they just we shot it in, in zero gravity yeah like cause in impalo 13 Ron Howard actually sh- shot some of those scenes um uh, in a free for
1: uh, ship, right? Yeah,
0: like they were flying in a Boeing KC-135, which was like something that NASA allowed them to do, and it kind of helped train people with weightlessness. But yeah, wild. Uh, but yeah, he didn't do that with this film. The crew actually built the set in Bedfordshire, uh, England, so that it could rotate a full 360 degrees, because apparently it can only be done in Bedfordshire. No, that's just where the, film, <laughs> that was just where the set was from. Uh, it made Uh, And then they would suspend Gordon Levitt from a wire to get the shots. It took 500 people in three weeks to film all those scenes. Uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt only used his stunt double for one shot. He did all of his own stunts pretty much except for one shot during that sequence. Calgary, Alberta, Canada, like that was a location uh, for the epic mountain scenes. The set was built into a mountainside and it had no snow at the time. And the crew was actually starting to get pretty concerned that they wouldn't have any snow by the time they started to shoot. The art department kept sending pictures of like mud (laughs) the week up until they were about to shoot. There was still no snow, but it turned out to not be a problem because they ended up shooting in the middle of blizzards after the biggest storm of the decade turned up. Uh, They took like two months to film the slow motion van falling into the water scene. You know, to like the Mm -hmm. ultimate like come out. Of yeah. uh, the the last layer, basically, sort of thing. Uh, I don't know. They just kept coming back to it. He would shoot bits of it and then come back to it, like just kept, you know, just kept going like, on and on. That's funny
1: because I would think when I was watching, I was like, "This is great." Because he only had to shoot that once, but he get to use it so many times.
0: <laughs> yeah. And apparently, he just kept coming back. The paradoxical stairs that uh, are pretty cool in the film. They use it a couple times. They were inspired yeah. by the art of M. C. Escher. Which is, you know, pretty apparent if you've seen any of his like his artwork. And they did shoot some Morocco, Tokyo, London, and Los Angeles. Overall, they ended up using like six different countries to do this film. Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, the score for Inception we've already mentioned. Hans Zimmer did the score. Mm-hmm. The uh, only
1: composer in the world, yeah. Hans. Zimmer.
0: <laughs> this score is actually sick. I forgot how good it yeah, is. Okay. It's really good. Uh, he described his work as a very electronic dent score filled with nostalgia and sadness to match Cobb's feelings throughout the film. Uh, like I said, he was writing it simultaneously during filming and it features a guitar sound reminiscent of Ennio Morricone. All right. Yeah. Uh, played played by Johnny Marr, actually. Yeah. Johnny Marr
1: does a lot of stuff with Hunt Nemo, which is so cool. Yeah. Like he played with him live and shit. It's really cool. Uh,
0: Hans Zimmer's music was actually nominated for an Academy award for a best original score, but he lost out to Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross of the social network. So Fair enough. good score as well. Um, really Inception's score. premiere was held in London on July the 8th of 2010. It was released in both conventional and IMAX theaters beginning on the 16th of July, 2010. And it grossed over Eight hundred and twenty-eight million dollars worldwide, becoming the fourth highest-grossing film of 2010, uh, and it won four Academy Awards: Best Cinematography, Best Sound Editing, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Visual Effects. And then it was nominated for four more Oscars, including Best Picture.
1: Jesus Christ, it's, it's insane, dude! Like, uh, like an original property making that much money—it's yeah. still so incredibly rare. That's why I kind of Nolan is like this weird outlier and that he can make a movie like that. Like it not a surprise when Batman makes a billion dollars or when the Avengers make a billion. They're established IPs. You have like a, a like a established market that will always go. And unless mm-hmm. it's bad, it will and word of mouth hurts it, then you have you can make your money back. But like something like this, it's just on name recognition, I guess, you know, star power goes a long way. But like yeah that's just and i still incredible to me a movie like inception and a hard movie to kind of pitch and explain and to watch make that much fucking money
0: yeah definitely it's like weird because it's like nolan must just really i don't know he must just like really get along with people or be like agreeable and likable because like you know if you're thinking about other people that make really like ridiculous films that are hard to understand they just have the worst relationships with studios like particularly yeah. David Lynch you know like
1: and the worst releases yeah <laughs> Yeah. So. again he balances it his yeah. films are still quite accessible and they're very mainstream yeah they're full of movie stars and full of action yeah and aren't that cha- like you know Inception is a challenging premise but the characters and arcs are very conventional
0: yeah yeah so definitely.
1: It's, it feels very safe Mm-hmm. At the same time, it can be it's daring and safe at the same time. It's more like how he made, like you know, the sets and the special effects. It's the thing I appreciate most about Nolan is the attempt to do everything as practically as possible.
0: Yeah, because you just
1: can't. You just, CG will take you a long way, but like at some point you check out because you know nothing you're seeing is fucking real. Yeah. Um. So I, at the very least, I like looking at movies. I like seeing you know, fucking like flipping the truck in Dark Knight. Yeah. It looked amazing. So cool, it's yeah. fucking real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. actually did that.
0: Yeah, In, in this film, I, I know he used a lot of CGI and stuff, but he tried to use as much practical effects as he could. But I mean, with mm. things like explosions and stuff, he knew that he was trying to do it in sort of a weird dream world anyway. So he even made the hue of the explosions a different color than a normal, like, you know, classic orange, big, fiery explosion. So, I mean, he was thinking of that dream world as well and i you know but yeah i i I think that's the best thing about this film is just like it's good to look at it's uh it's just like you know like solid set design uh solid visuals uh special effects all around it just looks cool it looks cool it keeps you kind of interested you like feel like you kind of probably drag in and out of story and stuff which you know, makes it even more difficult to understand at times if you're like spacing out because it has some lulls, but uh it pulls you back in with some big like, wow, you know, moments. Yeah, You said something that was kind of funny and I wrote this down because I, I kind of laughed at this. You said that Ellen Page's character basically is there just to kind of ask questions and then, to <laughs> you know, to explain the story over again. Yeah. Apparently there's 399 questions asked in this movie. Too many questions. <laughs> <laughs> Show, man. Don't tell. <laughs> yeah. And like that becomes funny because there's probably been 399 million questions asked after this film came out.
1: Exactly. Are <laughs> uh, it the question, not the answer?
0: <laughs> particularly the biggest question is
1: what does the ending mean? I'm about to ask. Yeah. We need to so talk about the ending. So the ending. All right. What? Yeah. I'm interested. What is your take on it? So The, the question is, is has Cobb uh, returned to reality and had he been reunited with the kid or is he still in a number? Is it all a dream? And the last shot is the spinning top and it cuts before we can see if whether it's it topples or not.
0: Yeah. Um, what do you think? I think this time around I knew it was going to happen. And by the time it happened, I didn't care. And I was (laughs) just wondering why you didn't get a hypnotist. Uh, (laughs) uh, No, I don't know. I mean, I kind of, I kind of feel like it was like reality, and I think that's it's been further compounded by like. uh, I think he was in the real world. I think it was you know just further compounded by like some of the stuff I've unfortunately been reading as well that's influenced my opinion on that. Like, yeah. To yeah. do some research for this episode, but uh, yeah, I think I've always thought it was like, oh, yeah, he's back in reality. It's just like Nolan, just being Nolan, just like, hey, what if I cut away before? But what <laughs> if, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. you know, uh, what about you? What do you think?
1: I think it means whatever you want it to mean. Fair, I think, in that moment, I, th- yeah. I think Nolan has said essentially that,
0: yeah, like, he you know, did.
1: Where he was like, you know, at the, I think he's, yeah, he was like, at the father, I want him to be reunited with the kid. So yeah. that's my, I believe it's reality. Mm-hmm. I think it, uh, I think it does start to topple at the end. I think that, the I think it is reality. I like the little curveball at the end, but I think he is back in reality with, Yeah. he finally sees his kid face in
0: Yeah. That's a yeah, big that's thing. A big,
1: a big point. And Michael Kane is there. Michael Kane is only in, he's never in a dream. True. Okay. He's only in real scenes. So that what leads me there. But I can get into the idea that he's still in limbo. That yeah. also, like it would still make sense. in We've
0: all smoked edit. a little weed here and there.
1: Yeah. You know? we're, we're down.
0: <laughs> we're down. He, we're hip.
1: Yeah. Because it is a very clean ending. It's very yeah. like, wake up, and he picks up the phone, and it's all magically done.
0: At the ending. That, yeah. I was laughing at the ending, though, because of how, like, actually, you know what I was thinking, I forgot about this. I had this weird thought that it was a dream. Um, again, when I was rewatching this past time, just because of how stupid the ending is and how like the music is just like, it's just the music at the end is kind of cheesy. And then the whole yeah. nods nodding it's to each other. Like it's, it's like, it's like,
1: it's like, uh, yeah. the opening to a turn of the Jedi, just, like nodding.
0: Yeah. But then I realized how afraid he was of going through, uh, you know, customs in America. And I was like, dude, I know that feeling. Even being American, going back into my own country.
1: It's a pleasure, bro.
0: (sighs) Yeah, I've had like, uh, customs agents at the American border just be like, yeah, so why were you out of America? It's like, come on, man. (laughs) Like,
1: What are you doing, bro? Who cares? I see you wearing a Bud Light shirt. (laughs) 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 You got any
0: alcohol on you? Oh, man. But yeah, Christopher Nolan, he, he did say in 2010, uh, he told CNN that the film was intentionally left this way, so he has no desire to add to this conversation. Yeah, don't answer it. He said there can't be anything in the film that tells you one way or another because then the ambiguity at the end of the film would just be a mistake. He said <laughs> it would represent a failure of the film to communicate something, but it's not a mistake. I put it. I put that cut in there at the end, imposing ambiguity from outside the film. Uh, that always felt like the right ending with me. Mm-hmm. What? Okay. What? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but whether uh, the final scene is a dream or a reality has been something that's been discussed like so much about this film. Uh, the final answer, though, may come from Michael Caine. Like you said, he's only there in reality. In uh, August 2018, during his speech at film 4 Summer Screen at Somerset House, God, I wish we were able to do that. That would have been happening around this time. Yeah. Uh, it's always fun. We always kind of get to go out to these things, get offered to a couple of films. It's a great time. I can't wait until that comes back. Um But yeah, he said, when I got the script in- of Inception, I was a bit puzzled by it.
1: <laughs> nah. There we
0: go. A running theme here. You
1: weren't the only one <laughs> uh, MC. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Empty, we go by, yeah. you know, abbreviation. we go by initials. Yeah, empty. <laughs> you know, I call you JF, JF. sometimes J, sometimes it's it's J. J, you know, because it's I'm J. cool. I'm cool. Uh, well, know?
0: he said, uh, <laughs> he said what I was a bit MP puzzled thing? by it. And I said to him, CN, you know, Christopher Nolan. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand where the dream is. I said, when is the dream and when is it reality? Nolan said, when. You're in the scene; it's reality. So get that. If I'm in, if I'm in it, it's reality. If I'm not in it, it's a dream. Uh, I can't do a, a good Michael Caine impersonation.
1: So I can do Michael Kane. You are oh. only supposed to blow the bloody doors off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> not bad, right? Say, say, repeat after me. Well, when you're in the scene, it's reality. Well, when you're in the scene, it's reality. So get that. If I'm in it, it's reality. So get that. If I'm in it, then it's reality. If I'm not in it, it's a dream.
1: If I'm not in it, then it must be a dream.
0: <laughs> you wanker. You're wanker. <laughs> Judging by these words and having in mind the fact that Cain was in the final scene, the events took place are reality. Dang. And Cobb was not dreaming. And it's further backed up By the fact that, not counting flashbacks, Cobb's wedding ring is only appeared in scenes where he is dreaming. Many times in the movie, the scenes cut away just as Cobb's left hand comes into view. In the end, when Cobb uses his spinning top, the answer is actually revealed because just moments prior, when he hands the customs agent his passport, you briefly see his left hand. He doesn't have a wedding ring on, which means Jesus. it's reality.
1: That must have been so annoying for the editor. Nolan was like, "Make sure we don't see his left hand." it's like, "What? <laughs> Just make sure you cut before it comes into frame." But he's like, "But he's scratching his face a lot." You cut that care.
0: left hand, or you're getting the horse's head, young
1: man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big, you know, I'm a big honking star, and you have to do what I say. <laughs> yeah.
0: You cut the cable and you run off stage. That was how I delivered that line, wasn't yeah, it? Exactly. Yeah, was exactly. And
1: you run, smiling, smiling the whole time, but you <laughs> cut told you that you left hand. You look good
0: in red, boys. You look great yeah. in red. Yeah. Oh, you look
1: great without a wedding ring.
0: <laughs> Leo, did
1: I tell you that already? <laughs> so, uh, yeah,
0: that's it. It doesn't matter. At the end, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Because Leo bullshit.
1: could cob. He walks away from the totem. Yeah. And so even to him, it doesn't matter. He accepted whatever it is dream or reality. And that's how you should take it. And uh, that ending is no longer fun. Could be yeah. just fucking ruined it. You know What? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I, don't I really I just, he doesn't I care, care and neither do I.
0: I don't care. Uh I don't care. And he <laughs> didn't care, he did that. I don't care. I'd do it. He did it. Chris Vanelli <laughs> just did it. Just I like he's just doing don't. another film that's exactly the same.
1: But this time it's about, about time. time travel. Time travel, bro. What if you could go backwards and forward at the same time?
0: What if you had multiple timelines within a timeline within a timeline? <laughs> <laughs> they did that <it> already <laughs> oh man so yeah tenets' coming out uh the reviews have been a bit weird
1: but again I think it's hard to have a a genuine reaction
0: yeah man people have been I'm, locked up like crazy you know like i'm I'm assuming it's like
1: inception man i'm sure i'm sure it's like a really great ridiculous like escapist like fun house of a movie like, yeah just a big dumb blockbuster, which he does very fucking well. Could he at least try to, you know, they're a little bit smarter, a little more complicated than your regular sort of like action movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm sure there might be sort of nothing there. They People like to say, you know, it's a puzzle box with nothing inside. But it's like, but the puzzle is the thing. If that's the fun bit. Does the matter yeah. if there's nothing inside?
0: Yeah. And I'm
1: also, Having not screw seen
0: reviews, man.
1: Yeah, fuck reviews. Make up your own mind. I want to see Tenet. I'm not going to run out to do it. I might yeah. see it in the cinemas. Um, but like, yeah, I think it's surra- like we were saying at the beginning, surrounded by a lot of shit. Just like Inception once for me. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I can kind of see it one day with a more clear mind. And hopefully it's good. If it's not, whatever. I have Batman. I <laughs> we always have Batman.
0: I, I, I got ruined by Joker, but at the same time, I didn't end up liking it. So, hey. <laughs> hey, hey. So there you go. Hey, you never know hey, with these things. Hey, I ended up agreeing with yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'll go see Tenet, but it's not because necessarily because the pandemic's going on. It's probably just because I never go see new films. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's fair like, enough. Hey, okay, like the, the Tenant's going to be amazing on the big screen. I bet, like just, mm. it just grand the grand scope of it all is probably going to look amazing and just be tremendous because sure. it's Christopher Nolan. But at the same time, yeah, I. You know I, I i feel like it's a gamble going to the the cinema sometimes just because of like people and they can ruin it um not mm. all the time sometimes you can have a packed house and it'd be perfect like
1: like at the bookshe cinema,
0: yeah. Yeah, seriously. But I also at the Prince Charles Cinema, I've had a couple of experiences where I've been in there and people have ruined it and started eating yeah. like sandwiches next to me that are really loud. Like It's usually the Usher. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then, you know, and then I've been to like big chains and stuff, which is where I'd have to go see Tenet and that's usually yeah. where my worst experiences are.
1: They don't, they don't so, care. Yeah.
0: Like good god, man. I had like Halloween, t- you know, 2018 ruined. By, like, oh just man, the that's people a in in the audience just being really obnoxious like the whole time. Horror movie,
1: horror movie, and like kid movies. Because there's they're gonna be like, you know, I'm gonna go see Pixar movies, yeah. Um, and those obviously could parents just let their kids fucking get away with murder on a screen, just run around shouting, and there's no one there, no usher, and no one giving a shit. And horror because you get fucking stupid on kids, like teenagers who are just there to like talk with their friend yeah. and scare each other
0: and talk on the phone <laughs> yeah and they'll be yeah and
1: they'll be like this is shit and then like scream the next minute
0: yeah yeah anyway i don't know if i'll see tenet i don't know if you'll see tenet we'll see mm-hmm. but we're not gonna know next week because hey this is something that was a part of phil's new contract yes he's going on holiday he's i need a break holiday road he needs a break I Need a anyway. break I
1: need a vacation. We've, you know, extended my holiday days from zero to five, and I'm going to take it. <laughs> 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 and uh, unpaid, but you know, I was okay. Yeah. I was all right. I'll take it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm taking it. It's something we've had planned for ages now, so yeah. and we're allowed to do it. So I'm going to go. So you get to, you know, enjoy this. Yeah, that that voice because it's not going to be here.
0: It's not going to be here next week. week. And uh, I'm actually going to be on holiday as well, technically. I'm not going anywhere, but uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm just taking the week off of work for the most part. And yeah, with that, that means that, oh, what's next week's episode going to be? Well, don't worry. This week, I'm a busy boy. I'm a busy, busy, busy boy. You are. I'm doing a lot of stuff. Uh, Myself and Arianne over at patreon.com forward slash PCC podcast. Hey, this segues back. Here we go. Uh, yeah, me and Ariane we're going to be doing a lot of work uh, because we've got some exciting stuff going on. Uh, we had a little bonus, 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 side mission bonus coming to <laughs> our laps when the last time we recorded our Fast and Furious episode. Uh, so as I've been saying the last probably couple months now, me and Ariane are over on patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast for backers paying $5 and up we're giving everyone bonus content and a part of that bonus content is Fast and the Furious all the way through we're doing all the films and sometimes that brings us to little side missions so next week and instead of me and Phil on the podcast we're gonna have me and Arianne talking about a film that has to do with the Fast and Furious series and hopefully entice you to come hang out with us over at patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast to hear the rest of the Fast and the Furious series
1: I'm excited yes
0: so yeah that's what you're gonna get next week apologies but hey you know we gotta have our holidays and stuff sometimes you know and uh that's that's just the way it's gotta be or Phil's gonna quit again so (laughs) (laughs) I'll do it
1: I'll do a drop of a hat
0: so we, we know you're going on holiday what are where are you going
1: um uh we're going we're spending the firstly the weekend away. We're gonna see the family. Cool. And then we're going to Rome.
0: Oh, you're going to Italy?
1: Yeah, man.
0: Bro. Dangerous. Right. Europe's kinda of heating up again. It's getting a bit hot.
1: Climate. <laughs> Climate. <it. laughs> uh, I mean, I was expecting virus. it. We had we had another holiday booked uh, early in the year. It was like right. Fuck, I forget when it was now. I think it was in May or June. So, right in the middle of the pandemic, obviously that got canceled, but this hadn't. We Mm -hmm. were like, we were sort of like letting it be like, sort of like, we'll we'll see. If it's canceled, we won't go. But if they'll let us go, we'll try. It's like three days. And we just really would like the break. And we're just going to walk around. Yeah, fair enough. And it'd be really nice. Sounds good. Hopefully. Well, that's sick.
0: I'm glad. That's where
1: I'll be you doing something cool? I'll be out there being part of the problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I think you've earned it. You've been on the couch a lot and you're in bed and you're a ball and you learned how to walk. You tripped over a crack. You've done yeah. all sorts of crazy stuff, you know?
1: Yeah. God, the journey it's we've journey been on. Yeah, the ev- evolution <laughs> I've gone on, it's just you know, been life changing.
0: Yeah. But listeners out there, like I said, you're going to have an, a good episode next week. Uh, it should be pretty fun. Uh, we hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll see you back in a couple weeks where I don't know what we're doing, but we'll figure it out. Uh, and we're also going to be working on some other fun things that maybe we can talk about someday soon. Uh, but anyway, as always, you can find us collectively at the PCC Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Or you can email us at podcast at Prince Charles cinema.com. Phil, where can people find you?
1: The, the usual spots, you know, at faraway said on Twitter and in real life yep. at dogs, dogs. I met on Instagram and you know, um, yeah. And they can't find me next week. Cause I'll be out of office. Oh wait, out of the country. <laughs>
0: um,
1: for the week after that, you know, then they can come back to still keep me online. I know. Yeah. I know the listeners. I know what they're doing. I know what they're yeah. up to. No, I time see time. my follow count go up and down. I know.
0: Yeah, no, it's
1: too. It hadn't literally hadn't changed since I started doing the podcast, and it really bothered me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, listeners, um, give Phil a follow at Faraway SAD on Twitter and Dogs underscore and that's Dogs with the Z underscore I underscore Mets with the Z. With a Ned. Uh, and go say hi to them. Leave them fun things to come back from holiday with. Yeah. You can find me at Tall4All, for A L L, the number four A L L, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, yeah, that's us. We're done. We're getting out of the stream. I've shot myself in the head.
1: Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I'm waking I'm up. I'm waking
0: up now. Yeah. So I'm going to go make myself a coffee or something. I don't yeah. know. I need to wake up. Uh. Oh, oh, God wow uh, we were talking uh, about inception for like two hours that was a and, really uh, realistic dream basically do things because oh uh, no you feel i'm still in like the sarlacc pit believe, he's still talking about his mother oh sort of god powerful. just wake up already oh man i need to stop editing so late oh <laughs> <laughs>